idea which reveals itself in what may be termed the voice of the city. Can you tell me what it is? Aurelia smiled wonderfully. She sat on the high stoop, a spray of insolent ivy bobbed against her right ear. A ray of impudent moonlight flickered upon her nose. But I was adamant, nickel-plated. I must go and find out, I said. What is the voice of this city? Other cities have voices. It, it, it's an assignment. I must have it. New York, I continued in a rising tone, had better not hand me a cigar and say, Old man, I can't talk for publication. No other city acts in that way. Chicago says unhesitatingly, I will. Philadelphia says, I should. New Orleans says, I used to. Louisville says, don't care if I do. St. Louis says, excuse me. Pittsburgh says, smoke up. Now, New York, Aurelia smiled. Very well, said I. I must go elsewhere and find out. I went into a palace, tile-floored, cherub-ceilinged, and square with a cop. I put my foot on the brass rail and said to Billy Magnus, the best bartender in the diocese, Billy, you've lived in New York a long time. What kind of song and dance does this old town give you? Uh, what I mean is, uh, doesn't the gab of it seem to kind of bunch up and slide over the bar to you in a sort of amalgamated tip that hits off the berg in a kind of an epigram with a dash of bitters and a slice of... Excuse me a minute, said Billy. Somebody's uh, punching the button at the side door. He went away, came back with an empty tin bucket, again vanished with it full, returned and said to me, That was Mame. She rings twice. She likes a glass of beer for supper, her and the kid. If you ever saw that little skeezix of mine brace up in his high chair and take his beer and... But say, what was yours? I get kind of excited when I hear them two rings... Was it the baseball score, or Jim Fizz you asked for? Ginger Ale, I answered. I walked up to Broadway. I saw a cop on the corner. The cops take kids up, women across, and men in. I went up to him. Uh, if I'm not exceeding the spiel limit, I said, let me ask you, you see New York during its evocative hours? Is it the function of you and your brother cops to preserve the acoustics of the city? There must be a civic voice that is intelligible to you. At night, during your lonely rounds, you must have heard it. What is the epitome of its turmoil and shouting? Uh, what does the city say to you? Friend, said the policeman spinning his club, it don't say nothing. I get my orders from the man higher up. Say, I guess you're all right. Stand here for a few minutes and keep an eye open for the roundsman. The cop melted into the darkness of the side street. In ten minutes he had returned. Married last Tuesday, he said half gruffly. You know how they are. She uh, comes to that corner at nine every night for a... Uh, uh, come to say hello. I generally manage to be there. Say, uh, what was it you asked me a bit ago? Uh, what's doing in the city? 
Oh, there's a roof garden or two just opened uh, twelve blocks up. I crossed a crow's foot of streetcar tracks and skirted the edge of an umbracious park, an artificial Diana, gilded, heroic, poised, wind-ruled on the tower, shimmered in the clear light of her namesake in the sky. Along came my poet, hurrying, hatted, haired, emitting dactyls, spondees, and dactylus. I seized him. Bill, said I. In the magazine, he is Cleon. Bill, give me a lift. I'm on an assignment to find out the voice of the city. You see, it's a special order. Ordinarily a symposium comprising the views of Henry Clues and John L. Sullivan, Edwin Markham, May Irwin, and Charles Schwab would be about all. But uh, this is a different matter. We want a broad, uh, poetic, mystic vocalization of the city's soul and meaning. You are the very chap to give me a hint. Some years ago, a man got at the Niagara Falls and gave us its pitch. The note was about two feet below the lowest G on the piano. Now, you can't put New York into a note unless it's better endorsed than that. But give me an idea of what it would say if it should speak. It's bound to be a mighty and far-reaching utterance. To arrive at it, we must take the tremendous crash of the chords of the day's traffic, the laughter and music of the night, the solemn tones of Dr. Parkhurst, the ragtime, the weeping, the stealthy hum of cab wheels, the shout of the press agent, the tinkle of fountains on the roof gardens, the hullabaloo of the strawberry vendor, and the covers of everybody's magazine, the whispers of the lovers in the parks. All these sounds must go into your voice, not combined, but mixed, and of the mixture, an essence made, and of the essence, an extract, an audible extract, of which one drop shall form the thing we seek. <laughs> Do you remember, asked the poet with a chuckle, that California girl we met at Stiver's studio last week? Well, I'm on my way to see her. She repeated that poem of mine, The Tribute of Spring, word for word. She's the smartest proposition in this town just at present. Say, how does this confounded tie look? I spoiled four before I got one to set right. And the voice that I asked you about? I inquired. Oh, she doesn't sing, said Cleon. But you ought to hear her recite my angel of the inshore wind. I passed on. I cornered a newsboy, and he flashed at me prophetic pink papers that outstripped the news by two revolutions of the clock's longest hand. Son, I said, while I pretended to chase coins in my penny pocket, doesn't it sometimes seem to you as if the city ought to be able to talk? All these ups and downs and funny business and queer things happening every day. What would it say, do you think, if it could speak? Quit your kidding, said the boy. What paper you want? I got no time to waste. It's Mag's birthday, and I want 30 cents to get her a present. 
Here was no interpreter of the city's mouthpiece. I bought a paper and consigned its undeclared treaties, its premeditated murders, and unfought battles to an ash can. Again I repaired to the park and sat in the moonshade. I thought and thought and wondered why none could tell me what I asked for. And then, as swift as light from a fixed star, the answer came to me. I arose and hurried, hurried as so many reasoners must, back around my circle. I knew the answer, and I hugged it in my breast as I flew, fearing lest someone would stop me and demand my secret. Aurelia was still on the stoop. The moon was higher and the ivy shadows were deeper. I sat at her side and we watched a little cloud tilt at the drifting moon and go asunder quite pale and discomfited. And then, wonder of wonders and delight of delights, our hands somehow touched and our fingers closed together and did not part. After half an hour, Aurelia said with that smile of hers, Do you know? You haven't spoken a word since you came back. Uh, that, said I, nodding wisely, that is the voice of the city. The Gift of the Magi One dollar and eighty-seven cents. That was all. And sixty cents of it was in pennies. Penny saved one and two at a time by bulldozing the grocer and the vegetable man and the butcher until one's cheeks burned with the silent imputation of parsimony that such close dealing implied. Three times Della counted it, one dollar and eighty-seven cents, and the next day would be Christmas. There was clearly nothing to do but flop down on the shelf.